This very special bonus episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore is brought to you by our generous listener supporters on Patreon and PayPal. If you appreciate what we do and would like to join them, go to dollamore.com slash PayPal or dollamore.com slash Patreon. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right. Welcome to the show, this very special bonus episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and sitting across from me, the lovely, the talented, the scholarly, the lady who's running out of things to have said about her, Brittany Page. You always say that. So just stick with like... But I never come up with anything new. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So just stick with a couple of words and just use those every time. Okay. How's the view from the cheap seats over there? <laughs> Who has to just sit there and have things said about her? Um, it's pretty nice. <laughs> Real nice, in fact. Well, today, as evidenced by the title of this episode, there's no no way to sneak a guest in. There's not. In podcasting. Mm-hmm. We have Steve Shives, the, the man of the hour from YouTube. Yes. The guy who I've been friendly with on Facebook, but have never really... Never spoken to. Yeah. Anyway, let's just get into this. Steve, thank you for coming on the show. We appreciate it. (laughs) Sure. The man of the hour, the man with the power, too sweet to be sour. (laughs) See, somebody came prepared. (laughs) (laughs) I actually, I ripped that off from uh, superstar Billy Graham, a great wrestler from the 1970s. So credit where credit is due. Wow. uh... I appreciate you doing that. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. It was my pleasure to rip off somebody else's line. No, I think Brittany means she's she's thankful that you credited yes. the person whom you stole it from. Yeah, that's a pet peeve of mine. Yeah. Well, you know, plagiarism is easy to avoid. It really is. Well, we recently, we talked about it briefly on the show, and then someone, a couple different people, just brazenly did it. Yeah. You know when you know you have a friend who... You, they're not that fucking clever, and then they say something that's super profound or very, very clever and funny. And you're thinking, where'd you get this? So you Google it, and of <laughs> course, it's like something that's very attributable. Anyway, Brittany is the one who calls them out. <laughs> well, yeah, it's just, it's just. I mean, it's easy to to just say, oh yeah, that's not mine. Yeah, you know, as so and so said, and then you say your thing. Well, it's, it's so easy to avoid. And I'm sure, Steve, as someone who creates things, this bothers you because you know you say things, and what if someone were to you know steal your tweet or steal something you said in a video and and pass it off as their own? That would be very annoying. Well, yeah, of course. And I mean, and not only that, but, you know, I don't know, maybe other people's education was different than mine, but I learned, we we learned how to paraphrase in English class in high school and, and how to quote, you know, and how to avoid plagiarism. And then we learned it again in college. (laughs) And I, I only went as far as the undergrad level in college, but I bet 
if I had gone for my master's, we probably would have learned it again. So it's not <laughs> as if these, you know, these very simple techniques of just don't steal from other people are all that difficult or, or you know, rare to come by. Right. Well, we live in a weird, in, especially with content creation, the, the whole stealing thing. When you put it like that, people bristle at that, but it, you're fucking stealing. You're stealing something you didn't create, whether it be music, whether it be uh, art, whether it be something somebody wrote. It is stealing it. If you're using it and using it as your own, especially passing it off as your own. But even if you're we've, we've had this talk on the show, too, like stealing someone's password. We've we actually looked into it and it's not technically like on Netflix. Yeah, mm -hmm. that, yeah. That, that stuff that bothers me. People sharing their HBO password so they can. I'm probably stepping on all kinds of toes again. Yeah, because Jesse loves the rules, everybody. <laughs> no, I'm not super rule guy. I just, I appreciate the fact that you're taking money from someone who could have created something even greater. Yeah. Except for the fact that they have to budget in how much it's going to be fucking stolen. Wow. Yeah, exactly. It's what, a, <laughs> what a couple of dicks. <laughs> I mean, it's a pet peeve of mine, too, because, like, you know, it's just it's just so easy to not do it. If you want to say something that somebody else said and you, you don't want to put it into your own words, then just make sure everybody knows that you didn't come up with it. Like, it's that easy. Yeah. Well, it's also masquerading as as like you're smarter and more witty than you actually are. I, I get it all the time. People who rip off like Louis C.K., who has mm -hmm. a specific style and the things that he... It's come on, man. We know that wasn't you. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Well, and also the the other thing is, I mean, I'm here to tell you, you can still fake being smarter than you are without stealing from other people. I mean, I do it practically for a living. <laughs> you and me both. You can brother. make up your own stuff and still pretend that you're smarter than you actually are. So that is a perfect place to jump off. Yeah. Um, first of all, you, you mentioned high school. Where yeah. where did you grow up? I grew up and still live in Western Maryland. Uh, I actually grew up and went to high school in a tiny little town called Clear Spring, which has a a proper town population of about 600. Wow. Uh, and after that, I lived for a little while in Hagerstown, which is just a few miles down the road and has a, a bustling urban population of about 40,000. Uh, yeah, Hagerstown, And now I live Maryland. in a, a, a nearby small town that's a, a little bit bigger than the town. I grew up in so it's a very rural part of of Maryland yeah I lived in Washington DC and you know uh, northern Virginia as well for a while mm. after I got out of the service and I'm vaguely familiar you don't have to say it Brittany I'm vaguely familiar with uh with not western Maryland so much but I know where Hagerstown is mm -hmm. so so yeah we're not too far from DC I go there occasionally. DC is like the big city, you know, right. for for folks who live around here. Right. So you're how I know of you, and I don't know how we got connected on Facebook, but how I know of you is through YouTube. You were actually the very first atheist. I'm using air quotes. I don't know why I'm using air quotes, but I'm using air quotes. The first atheist on YouTube. <laughs> Um, to whom I subscribed, you do, and and I'll say why. But first, what drew me to you was you you have this. You might still have the series. I'm showing my ignorance here, but a series that an atheist reads, blah blah blah, whatever book. And you were doing Lee Strobel's A Case for Christ, which has been gifted me 
two separate times by Christians who believe it is the the, the, the single book that has the power... It will take care of biz. Yeah, to convert the non-believer. Yeah. Ugh, anyway, goddamn. But what drew, <laughs> what drew me to you, Steve, is the fact that you're... You're a thinker. You're a you're a night. You're not a, a a frothing, foaming at the mouth, asshole, angry atheist guy. That well, one I probably used to be several years ago, but you're. Uh, I guess I'd classify you as a humanist before I'd classify you as an atheist. Maybe I'm out of line to be classifying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but that anyway. You were the first one, and I I believe. You you did that in early 2012, which was the very first video I ever like sat down and did for YouTube, which was terrible. And uh, I just I don't know. I'm I've been a, a long time fan, so I wanted to have you on and talk about it. What what drew you to YouTube? It you know I, I had been blogging uh, before I did my first YouTube video. I used to have a blog. I don't I don't blog regularly anymore because the YouTube kind of took over my life, but. Uh, I, I was writing on a blog, a little like live journal blog that I had, and I would write something every day as just as an exercise, just so I could write. Cause I wanted to keep those muscles, you know, active. And, uh, I watched a YouTube video one day made by a Christian YouTuber actually named Veritas 48, um, who I think still does videos, but under a different name now. And and he put up a video. It was one of those uh, questions for atheists, you know, like five questions for atheists. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't done in an argumentative or sort of gotcha kind of way. It was more like he seemed genuinely curious about what the responses would be, you know, and they weren't like gotcha questions like, how do you explain this and how do you explain this? Right. Um, and And so I made a video response to that, which is a little, it, a little funny considering I think it's still probably the only proper response video I've ever made because I, I just, I don't do the response video thing at all. And I, I'm not really into that as a form. Uh, but I did a, my first YouTube video was a response video as an atheist to this Christian asking these questions about atheism. And I just really liked it. I, I thought I was okay at it, or at least I thought that I could get okay at it, you know, if I kept doing it. Um, and that's what happened, you know, and seven or so years later, here we are. Yeah, you've got, well, you, you, you definitely have more of a, a schedule than I do. Because I, I dedicate myself to do three to five a week, and you have like a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday like sh specific shows that you do. Yeah. I, I find it, it's easier to do that and, and to not get burned out, you know, if, cause I do, I do like putting out a lot of content. I mean, I, I like being productive and doing a lot of stuff, but if I was just doing the same, you know, vlog videos, like every single day, okay, here's what I'm mad about today. Or, you know, like that would, that would, I can imagine that would get incredibly old, incredibly fast. So I, I try to do, you know, I have a, a pretty regular schedule and I know, okay, Monday is going to be this Tuesday is going to be this Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And that's my, my release schedule. And then I also have my production schedule. So like, like today is a writing day, you know, uh, and tomorrow is a production day. And then the day after that is another writing day. And then Friday is another production day. So it, it, it keeps things, it, it makes it feel more like an actual job 
and it keeps it from getting monotonous, you know? Do you have like an overall goal or purpose that you're always trying to reach with your videos? Is there someone that you're trying to reach with your videos? Uh, well, as far as like, uh, fellow atheists or fellow non-believers, I think, um, the, the audience I'm trying to, I'm, 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 I know that I'm speaking when I talk about atheist stuff, I know that I'm primarily speaking to other atheists. Like I'm not necessarily trying to persuade anybody. Right. Um, with the, an atheist reads series that I do that, that I, I still do by the way. Mm. Uh, and that I'm actually, that, that's the episode. That's the video that I'm writing today. Um, that I'll shoot tomorrow. Um, that's aimed very much at other atheists. You know, I'm not, I'm where I'm responding to Christian apologist books, but I'm not trying to reach Christians and tell them why they're wrong. I mean, I, I think if, if, if a Christian watches it, hopefully they'll hear some good arguments and, and maybe they might think about something that I say in response to something that the, you know, the author of the book I'm reviewing said, but primarily it's aimed at other atheists because mm -hmm. lots of people have the experience that Jesse said he had with the case for Christ where people, well-meaning people in their lives, Christians in their family or their circle of friends will find out you're an atheist and they'll hand you some book, you know, and say, well, maybe you should read this. This will answer all your questions, you know? <laughs> and, and when that happened to me for the first time, and it was also in my case, the case for Christ. And, uh, I read it and when I first read it, I, I knew that I didn't agree with it, but I couldn't put my finger on exactly what was wrong with it. I just, I read it and I thought this just doesn't convince me. I'm, I don't think this is right. Um, and it took me a while to sort of work out more specifically what I didn't agree with it about and what my responses were to what it was saying. And what really helped me was hearing responses from other atheists. Yeah. And so I thought, well, maybe I can throw my own two cents in there. So it's very much aimed at other atheists. It's not aimed at at having arguments with Christians or trying to persuade people um, of, you know, that I'm right and they're wrong. So where I was, my background is I was raised in full on nutter buttery of evangelical tongue talking, dancing around, you know, <laughs> gnashing of teeth and wailing kind of Christianity <laughs> Do you come from a religious tradition or were you raised in a godless household? No, I, um, I, I like to say I was raised in a nominally Christian household. We, uh, we actually only attended church for less than a year, if I recall correctly, um, when I was about seven years old. Hmm. And I think the only reason we went to church then was because, uh, my dad's grandmother kind of guilt tripped him into it and said, look, you should really go to church. You know, you've got, you're married, you have kids, you should take him to church. So we tried it for several months and it just didn't agree with us and we stopped going. Um, but my parents are both believers, uh, to some degree, neither one of them are terribly devout. 
And my dad especially is not terribly devout. He has sort of a, a general belief that God exists and, and that it is more or less the Christian version of God. Um, and if you asked him, does he believe in the Bible? He would probably say, ah, I guess, yeah, most of that is true. But he's not really, he hasn't yeah. put a lot of thought into it and he's not super uh, attached to it. It's just sort of, yeah, I guess that's it. You know, that sounds good. Um, and my mom comes from a very devout family, like a very evangelical Christian family, but we never had a lot of contact with them when I was a kid. So that didn't really rub off on me too much. So my, my childhood was, you know, sort of, there was the assumption that, that God existed and that Christianity was the true religion or, or at least the most true of the religions, right. but it wasn't like super religious, you know, um, and like I say, regularly going to church was only a tiny, tiny, tiny part of my childhood. More, more culturally Christian. Yeah. 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 I, I, I see that a lot. I wish I would have been raised that way instead of we were either in or out. He was either, oh, we're backsliding. <laughs> my mom's drinking and we're, you know, doing what we're doing. Or we were full on three, four times a week going to goddamn church. So I, there. It, what happens when you get raised, I think, more culturally Christian, and then you slide toward non-belief or, you know, more with reason and rationality, I think you, you might miss out on what is a bummer and is kind of the bitter kind of feeling cheated and like you were you were tricked because you go through this bitter period, or at least I did, which is kind of like the stages of grief. And, you you know, you're kind of a dick on like on Facebook, posting, being aggressive. Do you think that's what the anger is about, the bitter feeling? Or do you think it is outrage over irrationality and things not making sense and people really saying things that just are hateful and do not make sense? Uh, I don't know. I, I For me, I think it was maybe a little bit of both mm -hmm. that I felt like I, I – I, you know, it's not like I – reasoned it through in my mind it's just you know I, I this knee jerk i'm going up the other way with it right and it's one of the reasons i was drawn to you on you on youtube steve is because mm. i didn't get any of that right and it's easy to find because you know <laughs> this will kind of shift us into the next thing i wanted to talk about with you is there is a coarsening what first of all i don't like the 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 term atheist movement because it's not really a movement well that's hard to it's kind of is because every time Brittany and i've gone to something with with a, a group of atheists like we've gone to a lecture at, at caltech one time that was mm -hmm. uh, bill nye and michael Shermer, and we've gone to a couple things with with uh smalley it's where we met ryan bell mm -hmm. and uh there's always like a bunch of people with kind of all their T-shirts on that are kind of like, a, hey, fuck you, I don't believe in God. And I find that, I, for me, it's weird. I, I wouldn't be a guy because it's just, it's it's shoving your 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 thumb in someone's eye for, for, for no reason other than just seeming disrespect. I don't know. So there, atheism does have kind of a, a movement but but I guess that's just when people get together and they have a common mind, they they you know they become a movement. Anyway, I'm getting off the fucking rails here. But so so I just 
when I, I'll impromptu on a movement. Well, so Steve, did you skip that angry phase? And do you think that's due to the fact that you grew up just culturally Christian and it wasn't deeply ingrained? Yeah, I mean, I never, I was never really angry about my atheism, and maybe that, maybe that was it. Maybe it was because I, I never felt like I had been lied to. You know, I never, I never felt like I had been tricked because I wasn't raised in a super devout household. I, I went through um, not a, not an angry phase, but more of a, a phase of kind of 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 uh sad acceptance you know because the the last part of my lingering belief to sort of fall away was the belief in an afterlife i really really wanted there to be an afterlife of some kind just for purely selfish reasons because i'm just not all that thrilled with the prospect of dying yeah just you know that's just me um <laughs> so that was something that i wanted to hold on to. And when I had, when I realized that I had to let that go, that there was no reason to believe that that was actually true, no matter how much I wanted it to be, that was a little tough to accept. Um, but it didn't make me angry. And I, I, I went through a phase maybe where I was a little, where, where my anger at like religious corruption or religious abuses yeah. was a bit more broadly directed. You know, like if I saw Christians, for instance, doing something terrible, uh, I might I was more apt to like blame Christianity in general for it instead of the particular group or the particular people who did the thing. Um, but that's probably the closest I ever came to having an angry atheist phase and I'm, I'm mostly out of that now I, I i tend to believe that it's not fair to to paint you know especially when you have a group as as huge and and uh diverse as christianity or really any like global level religion yeah to to say oh it's you know christians do this and or christians do that when you know some awful thing is done in the name of christianity is just not really fair um and so I try to avoid doing that. But I did go through that phase for a little bit. I don't think that is reflected so much in my YouTube work. Although if you go back five or six or seven years and look at some of my earlier YouTube work, it 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 is a little more uh, aggressive and angry than my stuff now. But it, it was never anywhere near as as hostile as a lot of the other stuff that other people do. We're we're kind of seeing that now. Except you know that the ire isn't isn't uh, landing on Christians so much as as Muslims, and clearly there's a yeah. there's a problem with with any religious. We just went through this a, a, a major thing on the show about this. A lot of voicemails, a lot of emails, uh, pushing back against me saying that you know we if I have audience members that really wanted um, a ranking. That's the way I put it. They wanted, well, the Muslims are the worst. Yeah, right now, if you want, if you have to have them ranked right now, Islam is the biggest problem of all the religions, but that doesn't excuse any other religion, any other organized religion. They all have problems. And they're in, this kind of is, I believe, a massive problem even within, and we're going to stick with, the, with the, the moniker movement, in the atheist movement right now, which is a coarsening and this weird recalcitrance toward um, Islam and mm -hmm. almost ignoring the, the the problems of other faiths 
because there's so much energy is spent shitting on the one the one faith that's popular to hate right now. Yeah, and and I think a lot of that is because most of the de facto leaders of the atheist movement, such as it is, uh, are Americans or or Britons. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a predominantly Western white male movement, you know, in terms of like the, the high profile people and Islam is perceived and, and to a large extent is a religion that is practiced in another part of the world, Yeah, you know, in, a, in other cultures, it's, it's not, uh, it, it's, it's a minority religion and a, a minority group in Western countries, um, doesn't have a lot of political or social influence, but in the Middle East and in parts of Asia, it's it's a very large, very influential, very powerful religion. So it's easy to look at it as something that is over there, and yeah, it's yeah. not ours; it's theirs. You know, Islam is an outgroup, and it's way easier to criticize other people for what they're doing than it is to criticize people like you and people in your own group for doing things. And it doesn't mean that the people over there in that group and the other part of the world aren't doing bad things or are above criticism. But I think the reason why, or one of the reasons why Islam is such a popular punching bag for a lot of atheists, uh, is because it's, it, it's perceived as, as being an other, you know, it's something that we can we can criticize them for doing the the abuses that they do, and we don't have to take any responsibility, and we don't have to look at ourselves or try to change our own behavior or our own attitudes at all. We can criticize them and challenge them and attack them from a place of complete safety and complete sort of moral and philosophical superiority. We can say, ah, look at what they're doing. They they need to fix their problems and we didn't and we can we can do that and completely ignore all of the problems that we should maybe be looking at ourselves you know right. so i think that's a big part of it yeah i think that's a good point and i i also think that sometimes atheists don't do themselves any favors by the way they approach these things um, in terms of encouraging people to listen to them, right? And my skeptic article came out this month, <laughs> not to give myself a plug, but, um, and I evaluated like over 200 statements from atheists about how they would characterize their atheism. And I was surprised by the level of certitude in a lot of these statements where it was, I, I know there's no God. I'm certain there's no God. And that really surprised me because I'm an atheist. I identify as an atheist, but I don't like that. <laughs> I, I don't like that approach, you know, and I, I think that it uh, it turns people off of wanting to listen. Right. They don't want to listen if someone is coming at them like that. Well, it's hard to have a conversation with someone whose mind is fucking made up. Why? Why dialogue with someone if there's no chance of swaying them one way or the other? If they're it's just like talking to a goddamn wall. Wall's right. not going to change its position. Right. Oh, and I didn't and I, and I didn't steal that from anybody, Steve. That was that was all Jesse Dollimore right there. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. <laughs> That's 100% legit. Um, I well, you know, the other thing is not just uh the certainty or the the feeling of certainty 
But I, I've noticed that a lot of atheists and especially a lot of my fellow YouTube atheists who, let's just say, do things differently than I do or, you know, uh, employ certain tactics that I would prefer people didn't employ and are just a little more aggressive and hostile um, than, than I would like to see. Uh, there's, there's a feeling not only of certainty that they're correct, but this feeling that they are somehow neutral because they don't have a religion. So when they right. criticize religion, whether the religion is Islam or Christianity or Judaism or whatever, they feel that they are coming at it from a completely unbiased place, just purely by the virtue of them being non-believers. Um, and when I realized that, and I actually, I was in a hangout many, many years ago when I was still on speaking terms with some of these people, uh, I was in a hangout with a few other YouTube atheists and one of them actually said and I think the topic was was Islam. It was how do we critique Islam effectively or whatever. And one of them actually said, well, we, the atheists, should be the ones who are leading this conversation because we're the ones that are unbiased. And that just, that just struck me. Like, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. How can we say when we, we, we have taken a side – yeah. We we decided, we concluded that that religion that all religions are false, that gods don't exist. That's not neutral. We've taken a side. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, neutrality is very overrated. Neutrality is not always the best position to be in. It's sometimes, in fact, most of the time, it makes sense to choose a side, to decide, okay, these guys are right, these guys are wrong. I'm going to line myself up with these guys. Uh, most times neutrality is not the best way to go. And most of the time you aren't neutral. If you're in an argument, you're not in the neutral position, but a lot of atheists try to sort of flatter themselves or, or frame themselves as though, Oh, we're, we're the neutral ones. We're here in the center. So we can see everything equally. So when we decide that somebody's, you know, saying something wrong, then you should believe us even more than other people because we don't, you know, we're not, we're not prejudiced and biased in this argument. We're, we're the atheists. We're neutral. That's a very, very common, um, I think fallacious viewpoint. Um, and it, to me, it's just as big of a problem, if not more so in the community, particularly online as, as that feeling of false certainty. Well, I, I, uh, pretty early on, I distanced myself from, the label. I, I I mean, I'm still, we talk about it on the show. It's it's no secret. It's not something I shy away from. But it doesn't, it hasn't enveloped who I am. And, and so many times it uh, it becomes, and I believe it's, it's what has caused the coarsening of, especially online, like activist atheism, um, that it is picking a side. It isn't, there's no way that someone could, could could uh, reasonably consider it a neutral position. The, a, a true neutral position would be, yeah, I fucking have no idea. Each right. each claim to whether there's a god or which god or no god has just as much merit as the other if you're neutral. And we have taken a side. Uh, just because it's more broad that we don't believe in any gods and they have picked a particular god doesn't make us more neutral than right. anybody else that's that's a great point look at you man 
<laughs> Thanks. All, all the good stuff. <laughs> so what would you, I mean, you're a thinker. What, what would you, what advice would you have for, if you were to give the movement, quote unquote, uh, any advice, what, what would it, uh, what would it be? I'm caught really fucking putting you on the spot here, but. Give us advice, Steve. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, to actually behave like a movement to start moving. I mean, I, I think one of, one of the most, uh, disappointing or frustrating things about the, the atheist movement since I have been aware of it and been somewhat, you know, marginally involved in it is that there are times it, it, it has many of the trappings of a movement. And like, like you were saying earlier, I mean, if you go to a conference, you know, and, and you meet a lot of other atheists and you, 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 you know, attend panels and listen to talks and it, it feels very much like a movement, like these people are getting together and they're exchanging ideas and they're setting goals and they're talking about, you know, it's like at, at the, the reason rally, they were talking about, you know, here's how you lobby your senators and your Congress people, you know, here's how you put your, your views into action. And, and, uh, there are certain particular organizations that are affiliated with atheism in the general sense, uh, like the like Americans United for separation of church and state, um, or uh, you know uh, the American atheists to an extent does some some political activism. Like there 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 are certain organizations that do try to translate the general sort of support of atheism into social and political movements, but there's not very much of that, and the movement itself hasn't really progressed all that much uh, since the God delusion was published since the sort of new atheism thing became a, a, a cultural, uh, you know, a cult part of, part of popular culture where people started noticing like, Oh, Hey, atheists are here. You know, we haven't really done a whole lot since then. And if you look at the, the speakers that are still invited to major atheist conferences, you know, uh, it, uh, it's to a large extent, the same people that have been speaking at conferences for the last five or 10 years. And some of them are great people, you know, like I, I, I would never complain if I went to a conference and, and, and Matt Dillahunty or Seth Andrews or Aaron Ra were speaking. Cause I love all those guys. I think they're terrific. Uh, but if I wanted to give advice to the movement, I would say it's, it's, it's time to start listening and making an effort, not only to listen, but to magnify the voices, to amplify the voices of some other people. Yeah. Some people who are not maybe all white cisgender hetero men, you know, let's make an effort to put more women on stage, to put more people of color on stage, to put more trans folks and people from across the LGBTQ spectrum on stage and to have them talk about stuff, not, not just talk about stuff related to their particular identities, but also talk about completely different stuff. Let's just have a more diverse, broad chorus of voices and opinions. So it's not just the same half dozen white guys getting all the top speaking slots at conventions. Um, and for the YouTube side of it, it's sort of, uh, uh, the same advice. It's let's, let's try to start seeking out voices other than the same five or six angry white guys who have been screaming about Muslims, uh, for the last 
10 years. Because if we don't, then nothing is ever going to change. Nothing is ever going to move in the movement. You know, we, we keep hearing about how, oh, the the, the proportion of, of non-believers in the population keeps going up. Every time they have a survey, it's higher and higher. There's more people willing to say that they don't identify with any particular religion. And there's a smaller subgroup of that of people who say, yeah, I'm an atheist. And that group keeps getting bigger and bigger. But we're not going anywhere. Nothing yeah. is ever really, no, nothing is changing. The, the, the influence and the imprint and the power of atheists politically and socially in the United States has not really increased at all since the dawn of, you know, the so-called new atheist movement over 10 years ago. Um, and if we want to change that, and we want to make life better for our fellow atheists and for just people in general. And we want to have, you know, uh, a, a voice and an influence in, in making this a, a more pluralistic and tolerant and equal and fair and just society for people of all religions and people who don't have any religion. Then we need to do something. We need to do something different. And we need to start listening to as much as it's it's shooting myself in the foot because I'm one of those cis hetero white guys, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean yeah, it's it's I time it. to start looking to some different people for for what they have to say. It, it is it is what what I think is an alarming trend that I'm seeing right now, and I'm I'll I, I'll follow your lead by not naming any names, but I'm noticing. <laughs> Uh, yesterday an article got published and this weird jerk to the what they're calling the center like for I'll yeah. just I'll name Dave Rubin because that's a guy I talk about all the time yeah I I think Dave Rubin is a fucking opportunist I used to listen to his show and then it just became um the opportunist hour oh we're gonna have all these people on with uh, abhorrent um ultra right-wing views and i'm not going to push back at all i'm going to call myself a classic liberal but i'm not going to really do anything to to push back against their views i'm just going to leave it leave it as uh you know milo yiannopoulos and some of these other assholes that he has on the show yeah um he and he calls himself a centrist i'm in the center no you're not dude you're not <laughs> and there's a lot of atheists right now who claim the center they claim that territory and they are encroaching deep into right-wing ideologies. And I don't know what the fuck is happening. Do you have a theory or am I imagining it? I don't know if it's intentional or not. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm not by nature a conspiracy theorist. And I'm very, very reluctant to say like, oh, this is part of a strategy. But the effect that it's having is that right wing and in some cases very far right wing views are becoming more and more normalized and and perceived as being closer to the center than I think they probably are. I mean, the problem with what people like Ruben do is, yeah, they they claim, oh, I'm a centrist. Uh, but in practice, they're not a centrist at all. In practice, they are right wing and they try to they 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 make these little feints over, you know, by saying, oh, but I believe in marriage equality and I believe in progressive taxation and I believe, you know, they, they, they sort of pay lip service to all of these left wing, uh, beliefs that they have. But then, as you say, you know, like Dave Rubin will invite someone like Milo Yiannopoulos or Alex Jones onto a show and will just sit there and let them say whatever they want and either agree with them or just not challenge them at all. 
and then pat himself on the back for what a great centrist he is. And I just, you know, I, I, I think that is not, not only is it an act, it's a really obvious act. And I think the, uh, the, the purpose of it isn't to bring people to the center and to give, you know, equal respect to all voices. The purpose of it is to platform and amplify voices from the right wing and to get people to perceive that those right wing voices are actually more moderate voices are actually centrist voices. Yeah. Um, and as I say, whether that's an intentional strategy on the part of people like Dave Rubin uh, or 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 whether it's just something that he's doing because he sees that there's an audience there to pander to and he can make a lot of money doing that. Uh, and that's just the, the side effect of it that he's not really concerned about. I don't know. But that is the effect is that 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 far right extremist political views and voices are being perceived by a certain percentage of people as being reasonable and moderate. Uh, and that's a very dangerous thing that, that worries me a great deal. I mean, the current president of the United States is a result of that. Donald Trump yeah. would, would campaign saying absolutely atrocious, awful things, often also demonstrably false things. I mean, he was just a bigoted liar for his entire campaign, but there were enough people in the media who treated him as though he was someone who deserved to be listened to. Well, let's just hear him out. Yeah. You know, that he won the election. He or he won the, you know, he he won the electoral college. He won enough of the election to become president. Um and it's just it's a really really dangerous thing, you know? And I think that's that's the result of it. You when you say, "Oh, no, 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 no. I'm I'm not right-wing. Don't please don't 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 call me a conservative. I'm a centrist. I'm a classical liberal." And then all you then in every your, your every behavior, your every act is that of not just a conservative, but a far right conservative. Um, you know, it's, it's false centrism and all it does is normalize extremism. Yeah. Well, there, there, that's, that's probably a, a space where there is a little distance between you and I, and that is this, this whole movement toward no, no platform, a de-platforming. Right. And I like, if, I don't mind that Ruben has these assholes on his show. I don't care about that. My problem is the no pushback, the no challenge. Oh, yeah. That's my, I, I don't mind if Richard Sherman, look, I'm not going to shed any tears if he gets punched in his fucking face, but, but, uh, <laughs> Richard Spencer. Ri yeah, not Richard Sherman. Why do I keep calling him Richard Sherman? I'm not, not the sure. Seattle Seahawk, the Nazi. <laughs> Two different people. One grew up yes. in Compton, California, valedictorian of his class. Richard Spencer? No, Richard Sherman. I, I know. <laughs> and the other is a fucking fashy Nazi. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Richard Spencer, I don't care if he talks. I'm not going to shed a tear if he gets knocked on his head, but I, I don't care if he gets an invitation to talk and speaks at a university. What I do, what I do care about is when there's no um, allowance for challenge the platform for me isn't a problem it's it's not um inserting or injecting an alternative view to challenge his hate and his vitriol whether it be you know his peaceful uh, ethnic cleansing like he talks about god damn yeah. where are we in in america or the world even i mean anyway well that is that is a perfect place to end it leave leave the audience wanting a little bit more and then fuck no you're done 
So Steve, where if someone out there, and I'm sure there's there's a ton of people who who really don't didn't know who you are or didn't know enough about you, where can people find you? What are you doing? Plug something, brother. Well, if if you just can't get enough of me after this show, you can always check out my YouTube channel, which you can find at youtube.com slash Steve Shives. You can find me on Twitter at Steve underscore Shives. And we haven't mentioned it yet, but uh, I also co-host a really wonderful uh, movie review podcast with my very good friend Jason Harding called the Late Seating Podcast, which you can find either just by searching for Late Seating Podcast or you can listen to us at the website of our family of podcasts, the uh, Let Me Listen Podcasts, by going to lemmelistenpodcasts.com. Wow. I didn't even know you had a podcast. I know. It's it's not something that I, I really talk about a lot on my channel other than mentioning it in at the end of one video a week. But yeah, we do an episode every two weeks, and we review movies uh, that are either – uh, notoriously terrible or famously great, and uh, we decide whether or not we agree with the the popular consensus whether the movie deserves its reputation, and also we make fun of it. So it's a lot of fun. I love making fun of stuff. So that that sounds like it's right up my alley. <laughs> well, listen, thanks for coming on. It was awesome to get to talk to you. Uh, I've been a long time fan of yours, so it's uh, uh, as you said in our earlier communication. It's kind of a bucket list item for me. See, now I'm 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 giving him credit for something he said. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Full circle. Full circle. That's what I like to Full do, circle. Steve. Well, it was it was it was wonderful to be here. It was wonderful to to be invited on, and uh, it was a great show. So I I can check this off my podcast bucket list now. <laughs> stealing from yourself or stealing yeah. from me, stealing from you. Look at this little love hey. exchange. Nice. All right, brother. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thank. Thank you. Well, once again, that would uh, that was good. Want to be fantastic if one of these days we come back from the interview and we say, "Wow, that was kind of a dud." <laughs> you know, that really sucked. Well, I think that would be more about who I picked to interview than it would be how we performed in the interview. Yeah, and how the the guest performed. Right. <laughs> well, so far, so good is what we're saying. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Well, we're just waiting for the shoe to drop. Yeah. One of these days, it's going to be a fucking bummer. <laughs> Any day now. <laughs> Any bonus episode. So anyway, I just like this guy. One, he's maybe he's all the things I don't see in myself. Like he's he's kind of a a calming, moderate influence. I, you know, I tend toward the aggressive. Yeah. I don't know if you anybody's noticed that. Have you noticed that, Brittany? You know, <laughs> I have. <laughs> so I just like him. I, you know, he's he's uh, he loves people. You can tell he just really loves people, and he cares about how how people are treated, whether they're mistreated or whether it be in a political sense or just life. Yeah. So I, I like him. Uh, I would encourage everybody to go subscribe to his YouTube channel, check out his podcast, support his work. Steve's a good guy, and you know, if you're gonna go on YouTube. You should check out his An Atheist Reads series. Mm -hmm. He's he's reviewed and I don't it's it's not really review a book. It's kind of respond to the books and and now I'm being aggressive, but kind of pick them apart, address the 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 claims or whatever in them section by section. So they're video series. He's done them on like we talked about the case for Christ. He's done um 
I'm looking at the channel right now. The Purpose Driven Life, um, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, The Reason for God, Simply Christian, um, books by Ray Comfort, you know, The Banana Guy, mm -hmm. uh, God's Not Dead. He's done a whole bunch of them. Oh, that book. <laughs> and they're really good. They're yeah. really good. So go check it out on YouTube. Like I said, um, good guy. Yes. Really, really happy he came on. So that's going to be that. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate your time. We appreciate your loyalty and your dedication, your listenership. If you would like to support the show and support episodes like this being made in addition to our normal content, go to dollamore.com on the left-hand side of the page. There's a link that says support the show. There are a few different ways that you can support the show other than listening and rating and reviewing on iTunes, and we appreciate it. Thank you. We love you. And until next time, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been... I doubt it.